Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. <laughs> you love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. Can you, can you think of anything that talks other than a person? A bird? Yeah. Sometimes a parrot talks. He wasn't as sharp even in the game as he's been. He was still good, but he wasn't, he wasn't that. But he wasn't, he wasn't that. Spectacular good. He was still 19 years of age. I mean, it's a fear. There's a lot of other things that play a part in people's makeup. Yeah, some birds are funny when they talk. I mean, it's a theory. Can you think of anything else? Uh, I don't know. The training you're doing may be taking a bit of juice from your leg. I mean, it's a theory. He's a player who's always in the focus and in the spotlight, both for Liverpool and England. Maybe that's had some effect. I don't know. Well, if Roy doesn't know, we don't know. It's the Day Trippers. the halfway point of yet another maddeningly pointless international layoff. There may be no proper football, but there are plenty of conversation points for us to discuss in tonight's show, which will feature our tripper version of structured debate. Our goalkeeping guru, Phil, will tackle the subject of Simon Mignolet with Darren Kelly of Irish Pro Keepers. Plus, our lads will discuss the nebulous concept of momentum with pod debutants Dan Kennett and Joe Pepper. We'll also look at the other LFC stories dominating the news from Jose's naked selfies to Hodgson throwing Rahim under the bus. In the bunker with me tonight are the aforementioned garish kid fancier, safe hands Casey, Falcao first responder, Andy Young, and lest we get too positive, Damo Flood. Before we kick off tonight, you may have missed our Twitter feed, but fear not, you can tune in now. On Sunday coming, we're joining Neil Atkinson and John Gibbons from the Anfield Rap in the Stone Boat on, in Kimmage. We're helping them launch their Make a Stream book uh, in Ireland, and in return, they're going to help us out with a bit of analysis for the QPR game. It's a free event, but there is limited space, so when it's full, you're not going to get in. So get yourself down to the Stone Boat by noon if you want to have a chance, or else the lads in YNWA Irish Reds, who are being generous hosts, may have to turn you away. As we said, it's a free entry, but obviously you have to buy the lads who are talking a pint. Okay, we want to start with a little chat about Simon Mignolet. Now, our Belgian keeper has divided opinion right from the beginning. But even his critics had to admit that he had a remarkable capacity for shot stopping. Now, lately, even that has been called into question and his timidity and lack of presence have re-emerged. 
Um, there's also been an increase in the unease of fans about the man in general. Uh, with the link of Victor Valdez continuing to be a thing, uh, what does the future hold for Liverpool's current number one? Well, tonight we've invited in the man who's behind Irish Pro Keepers Coaching School to give us a coach's viewpoint on this. Darren Kelly, who's a former Ipswich trainee, former Irish Defence Forces captain, and bitter club frenemy of our own Phil Casey. Uh, welcome. Thanks for dropping into the bunker. Before we get started, Irish Pro Keepers, what's that all about, Darren? Um Basically, the Irish Pro Keepers Academy was set up to develop Irish goalkeepers that we had that we felt wasn't being developed correctly, um, especially with the GAA background and and stuff like that. We thought we could develop a bit more and bring more of a professional approach for our goalkeepers. And using myself and Shane Supple's experience from travelling to England, um, we thought that we'd try and give something back to the kids of Ireland that want to progress into the football in a professional manner. And so far, it's been quite successful. And how long are you, uh, you set up? And we are set up about a year and a half now, over a year and a half. Um, we started back in January 2013. Mm. So we've been going strong ever since. We've got international goalkeepers, DDSL goalkeepers, um, SDFL, NDSL. We've got lads travelling up from Carlo, Wexford, um, even up to Waterford. Um, we have a, a Northern Irish uh, under 14 international willing to travel down to train once as well. So it's been quite successful in what we're doing. That's fantastic. And, and how regular are the sessions there? We've got academies in Crumlin on a Monday and a Wednesday night and we've got one in Sally Noggin on a Thursday night. Um, we're looking at a Northside venue of Dublin now as well. Um, and we've got Wicklow opening up again fairly soon as well. So it's going good. And just before we start talking about um, Mini Light, if people are listening and they want to get involved or maybe they've got a son or a friend or maybe it's themselves who want to get involved, do you, do you guys have a central kind of uh, address or a website or anything we like that? We have a website. It's uh, www.irishprokeepers.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. Um, we're quite swift in the replies um, of getting back to people or you can contact us directly on Class, thanks very much Just just before I go because I, I know Darren I played against him for a good few years um, had had the fortune of playing against him for a good few years but look at the guys in IPK I know I know Shane who's involved I know obviously Fowler's involved with Ian Fowler's involved with them as well and one of the lads who I would have coached up at uh, Wayside has also got involved in the coaching end with them and um the, the lads are literally on, on the edge in terms of what they do in terms of what's available in Ireland like you, it's true Aaron you've started to bring video analysis in for your, for your for your senior goalkeepers and this is like for, for guys who are amateur and semi-pro level um, what what we've done is we've looked at where can we improve goalkeepers and mm-hmm. it goes right back to the basics um, we're looking at the starting and the set position and they are you know, foundations as a goalkeeper um, it's, it's vitally important to have a good starting position and being able to set for the shot we're finding a lot of kids are jumping, the jumping the wrong direction to where the ball's going. They're still moving when the ball's being struck. So what we've done is we've brought video analysis in, put it behind the the, the, the lads, um, and when we're seeing shots, um, be it volleys, strikes off the deck, um, half volley stuff like that. We're looking at them how they're, they're setting themselves and how they're moving. Is the balance correct? Is the set position right? Um, how can we make it better for them? Um, try and get the timing correctly as well because if you don't have the timing that they're gone all over the place like they're, mm-hmm. they're never going to make the save like you know so it's something that we feel vitally important because the game is so technical um, and goalkeeping is a specialist position we feel that video analysis to look at the goalkeeper and break him down is to make him that bit better and give him the edge over what, what we're trying to do and other goalkeepers like you know yeah. so that's brilliantly specific yeah. actually isn't it it's yeah, just fantastic like for kids to get that but we've also teamed up with Nadal now as well who trained the Dublin GAA team 
who've been successful in the last couple of years. And um, we've also teamed up with them, and we're getting goalkeepers and goalkeeping specific programs with them out in Blanchestown. So we've got at the minute we've got a couple of elite goalkeepers going out and training with them. Um, and the the results of of the NADA feedback has been superb. Like some lads are jumping nowhere near where they should be jumping they're jumping really really high and we're looking mm. and saying hold on the spring work that they're doing from and the balance and all that kind of stuff is paying off and you can see the spring now coming into the lads and just, the stiff, just in case stiff, people know? who are listening don't know Nada is there it's, it's the National Athletic Development Academy out in Blanchestown yeah. um, and the boys are behind the Dublin senior team mm. they were with the Horland Jim Gavin brought them in with the dubs and we also have um, Anne-Marie Kennedy, who is um, Sports Yoga Ireland as well. She works with the dubs constantly on yoga as well. So we have had yoga sessions as well. So it's the whole breakdown of what can we do as an academy. It's not just basically we're here for training. training. Yeah. We're here for the whole works. Yeah. And it's the whole network of stuff we're doing at the minute. Now, we're quite small at the minute, but quite effective and that's that's where you want to be well I immediately want to export you across to Liverpool <laughs> uh, so you could have a little bit of a word in the ear of a certain gent that we want to talk about yeah. Phil do you want to get the ball rolling on that maybe yeah look and, and, and this is why I asked Darren to come in tonight because I suppose every time we talk on it we talk about you know what, what you know what's going wrong what, what isn't happening etc etc I said for a change let's talk to a coach you know to someone who's who's in this area at the moment who's who's being asked to improve you know, goalkeepers at, at a lesser level, let's let's take it, would ask them to improve their game or change the game. The managers are coming to them and saying, look, my fellow won't come off his line, he won't dominate his box, he won't talk to his... Defenders. Same principles. The exact same principle yeah. that's going on. As Darren was just saying, you know, it, all goalkeeping boils down to the same basics all mm-hmm. the time and it comes back to the same thing. Now, there's different techniques to get you, but everyone's talking about it, nobody's talking about how we improve them or is it possible to improve them or what is the coach's viewpoint on this and that's why I asked Darren in tonight because I've been saying it for a while on this that you know he's a reactive goalkeeper he doesn't like to come off his line and I, you know let's get a different voice in let's get somebody who knows what they're talking about apart from me who doesn't know what I'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you are the Jesus <laughs> but no, no, no. In fairness, and it's better to get a guy who's in who's 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 living now is is is, is this type of coach. And so, mm-hmm. Darren, I suppose when I was talking to you about this, the idea is that if you have a goalkeeper, and I suppose the key idea about this is if you're looking at goalkeeping styles, there's there's two distinct goalkeeping styles. And as, as we were talking before this, you've got then you've got a third, which is Manuel Neuer, who plays basically as a centre back or a midfielder yeah. at points during the actual game. But in general, there's 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 a guy who likes to play high in his box, likes to dominate his area, and then you've got other goalkeepers who like to stop mainly stop shots and stay at the line in your experience and you running through the goalkeeping coaches and going through the managers etc is it possible to change a goalkeeper's style fundamentally to change him from a reactive shot stopping type goalkeeper to a proactive sort of dominator of his box not only is it a, a goalkeeping issue as well it's also an outfield issue um, mm-hmm. like as experience, like you have to know what kind of system the team wants to play. Do the team want to press high? Do you want to drop off? And that t- dictates a goalkeeper starting position. Um, and the likes of Minnelay, I think he's been more highlighted this week about with Gary Neville and what he said on, on Sky Sports and stuff like that. It's hard to go in and change a goalkeeper style, um, especially at that age and, and what he's been used to. But you also have to look at as well that Minnelay has changed clubs. He's gone into a new team. Um, he has worked with a different goalkeeping coach, and that that's tough. So that that could be another factor on, on it as well. But the whole um, kind of thing is that 
the outfield coach and the goalkeeping coach have to work coincide with each other and, and discuss it what way we're going to play. Are we going to drop off? Are we going to uh, push up a bit more? And that dictates as well for the goalkeeping starting position. So these things have to come into play as well. It's not just about Wally and the goalkeeping coach. Why isn't he doing this? Why isn't he doing that? And it happens week in, week out. It happens week in, week out on, on skill by pitches around the country. My goalkeeper's not doing this. My goalkeeper's not doing that. My goalkeeper can't kick a ball. But that's your responsibility as a, as a coach to get him doing that. So everyone has to take full responsibility. It's not just a goalkeeping coach um, having to take responsibility on, on the goalkeeper um, and how he plays the game. The goalkeeping coach and the goalkeeper, uh, and the outfield coach have to walk side by side and say, right, this is the way I want to play. I want a goalkeeper to play like that. Mm. So a lot of things come into play about how a goalkeeper plays. It's not just about nowadays keeping the ball out of the net. You've got to play as an as a 11-man outfield. Do you know that kind and of Darren, way? as someone who's worked with with, with, with keepers and tried to yeah. get them up to up to different kinds of spec, and as you say, yeah. it depends on the system what the, yeah. what the requirements are. But we've seen a change in Minule in, in 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 the basic things that he's doing. Yeah. Um, have you had that experience where a player, for whatever reason, loses a bit of confidence or whatever, and starts to go almost against the coaching, go back and retreat into themselves? Because that's almost seems like what's happened. It's psychological. Yeah, it, it's every goalkeeper goes through it. Like. Yeah. We've got other lads there. Another a friend of mine has retired from football at the age of twenty eight. Mm. You know, and and it's psychological. It's only starting to come out now how much pressure is on the goalkeeper. Yeah, and it's it's crazy. One comment in a game, you might have done some great things, and one comment from a, someone in the crowd knock your confidence off straight away. Like, mm. you know, and that start playing in their mind. Like, even if I'm playing a game on a Sunday or, or whatever. And you get this bar still standing on the side of the pitch. Yeah, this, yeah, that. Mm. That plays in your mind straight away. And you're starting to doubt yourself because you're on your own. Yeah. And the little men start talking in each ear and mm. saying, blah, blah, blah. And, and you know yourself from standing outside on your own on a freezing cold Sunday morning. I turn around and have a row with them just because that's... <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's all psychological. And yeah. with the, the whole Va- uh, Victor Valles in the background as well, that's obviously playing on his mind as well. Well, that's kind of where I wanted to go yeah. next with that. Like, I mean, what sort of effect is that is that having on him, do you think? Like, I mean, realistically speaking, you talk about you're on your own, but yeah. that's obviously part of the coaching as well, to, to be prepared to be on your yeah. own, and to be prepared yeah. to be concentrating, like, all the time for a second of action. So It's it's mental. It's more mental now than than physical, like, with a goalkeeper. Mm. Like, it's it's so hard to for the mind to stay focused for 90 minutes can concentrate you're trying as much as you can concentrate for 90 minutes and that's when the doubt self-doubt creeps in mm. and yeah yeah you know wondering am i doing this right am i doing that right oh god what happens if this happens what am i going to do and you start you, like one mistake one bad goal kick will destroy a whole conference mm. and i suppose that's 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 one of the things I, i've always questioned about the you know the level of mental strength that he might carry because he always seems to bounce back from a, a mistake fairly yeah. well, right? But overall, like I'll go back to the Manchester City game this season when the South when he played the Southampton game, he was high on in his box, he was up off his line, he was behind the back four, he was you know coming for crosses yeah. and the whole lot. City, he he played very similar, but um, straight away on the third goal it was, he seemed to get caught out of position because he wasn't quite, like, you know, he was playing much higher yeah. and Aguero was able to slot the ball past him into almost an empty yeah. goal. And, and, you know, the criticism yeah. that was levelled after that was, what, what's Mignolet doing standing there? And ever since then, he looks uneasy now yeah. in, his, in his position on the thing. Yeah. How would you, if you have a goalkeeper like that, right, and he's coming to you, he's part yeah. of the academy and he says to you, listen, I'm fucking, you know, my nerve is gonna be here. I'm not, I'm not quite sure what I'm meant to be doing. My goalkeeping coach wants me up the top of my box. Yeah. But, you know, I keep getting caught out there. Yeah. How do you, how do you get, how do you 
turn this fella around? How, where, where do we work? Do you work? Is, is that you focusing on them mentally, or how do you get them to? Well, first of all, it's stripping back down. Like what do you say is, how do you build them? Um, how do you build morale? You break it down, you build it back up. How do you build a goalkeeper? You break them down, you build them back up. Straight back to basics. Let's start getting them back confidence. Let's start building this, building up his his hand and his footwork. Let's go back right to basics. It's like Rocky in, in Rocky Three, I think it was when he went back chasing the chicken. He couldn't catch it. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, it. We laugh about it. Yeah. But even though it was a film, he went back. Went back with Apollo, got himself back up, and he went and fought. And yeah. that's that's what you got to do with a goalkeeper. You yeah. got to bring him back down. Let's get back again and rebuild you back up again. Like I, I remember going away there a couple of years ago um, with Les Ely when I went to West Ham and he had a plan for us to go walking on the building site for a, for two weeks and getting up at five in the morning going out there's your lunch off you go For the and that, that's what he, he had done when he, he was there he just got them out in the building site take away what they have mm. the good things and give them this is the other life do you know that kind of way so yeah. it's about building up the character again of a goalkeeper making them more determined again and stuff like that, you know, you, you have to go back and really build them, but build the goalkeeper back up because they're sensitive. Do you know what I mean? We are the sensitive bunch, like, yeah, yeah, and you yeah, do think yeah. about Who it. You tell them, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, you have to think about it. And, and the other thing, like, you have to trust your goalkeeper. You don't trust your goalkeeper, bang, you may forget about it. Going yeah. back to where he's commonly criticized on his distribution, right? Yeah. Now, obviously, you're working with keepers on the distribution, yeah. right? I've often said that his accuracy isn't too bad because he, f- he finds the players mm. where he wants, right? But it's very slow. Now, I think that a core component in terms of the, you know, the really good goalkeepers is very quick distribution. How do you work with goalkeepers to see their next pass? Because, you know, it's, it's like a midfielder. The best midfielders in the world know where the players are on the pitch and know as the ball is coming into them where, where it's going to next. Yeah. He always seems to have to take the ball and then see where things are. How do you, how do you work with that, you know, to, to improve the perception of what's going on in front of them? Like... It's a good, it's a good question, like. But again, at the same time, if he doesn't take his time, that ball could go through his hands, and he'd be criticising him again after, mm. after that. So if he goes and catches, goes for the ball, and he's takes a look and he takes his eye off and it goes in the back of the net, you, you're criticising for that. Mm. Like we walk on constantly, walking on catch the first ball, make the first save, second save will come, and stuff like that. If you do a crossing session, come catch the ball. Watch your next move. Get the ball in your hands first. Then you distribute it. Like there's no, yeah, you have a, a quick glance. You kind of know what's going on because the position you can see the whole field. Well, it depends a lot on the relationship between, say, the goalkeeper and the striker who's mm. going to move all yeah. the time. Like if Mingale has that option, yeah. like I always remember, Reina would pick yeah. out Torres because yeah. he they knew exactly what yeah. was going on every time. Yeah. So, do you blame the goalkeeper or do you blame the players who aren't giving them a dig out? Because you know they're working all week. All they have to do is say, "Well, I'm going to." That's what I'm going to do. Every time you catch the ball at a yeah. corner, I'm going there. Yeah. When I play, I play, I play with some good players. I play with Darren Benton and Darren, Darren Ambrose. We used to have, I used to have this thing. I looked at my front man first. I look at thrown in the feet. Mm. What can I do? And that I got that from the Ipswich coaches. From yeah. I, le- I learned from the coaches that I had there. So and I was lucky enough to have Paul Goddard that was was there as well. So he was yeah. a striker. So I kind of listened to him and what he was going to do. I used to catch the ball straight and look look for a striker's feet. And, mm. and in fairness to the lads, they knew what I was kind of going to do. Because yeah. you know I worked on it in training. Bang. Yeah. What am I going to look for? If it's not on up top, I'm going to come into midfield. Then I look to play off in the back yeah. and slow it down. But like you see now, his first movement is bang, going forward. Because mm. he's that kind of goalkeeper. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah, so yeah. he knows and them players know 
Right, if Neuer gets it, I'm going into space because I know he's gonna he's gonna find me. Yeah. But if if again the players are not walking, that's the coach's fault. That's the outfield coach's fault. Yeah. That's that goes back to uh, the coaching of the team again. It, like, oh. are we gonna move the ball quickly? On what happens, like, like Neuer is a very commanding goalkeeper. He puts the pressure on the striker to yeah. to move for him. Yeah. Where if you have maybe Mingle is a bit more you reserved, know, reserved quite, yeah. than in himself, yeah. he probably doesn't have the confidence. Yeah. At last year with Suarez, like yeah. the ball came out or this year with Sturridge, like they're yeah. big characters. Yeah. Do you think it's possible though, ultimately, to for him to fundamentally change his style? And, I, and that's a straight out question because I'm, I'm, I, I see lots of technical issues in terms of speeding up, the, like, like what you said, in yeah. terms of speeding yeah. up distribution and the whole lot. Yeah. I, I, I think you can always improve accuracy. Accuracy yeah. is something yeah. that can always be worked on, right? Yeah. But in terms of speed, I'm not sure how you develop quicker distribution if, if somebody, as you said, isn't, yeah, it isn't from that mindset. So mm. it's like it's some some people see a pass, some people like to, you know have to take it and then see what's going on. And that's where I'm trying to figure out: can he change that about himself, or are you accepting that that's the style of goalkeeper you, you've signed? That goalkeeper, that's mm. who you've signed. You knew what he was like before he came to the club. Yeah. If you want him to be a completely different goalkeeper, then you actually went down the wrong path. And that's that's. Mm. But it's the same like you know, with Valdez, who's a complete opposite goalkeeper. Minule, he's played for Barcelona. It's distribution. He's playing football. Constantly, mm. you know, and that's that's the philosophy of Barcelona is take a tackle football and playing football, with, which Brendan Rodgers goes with as well. So he's going to fit into that kind of mold as well that Liverpool wants. So it's a tactical kind of thing. But going back to that question, he has to adjust his game to suit the Liverpool style of play, mm. and it's it's up to the goalkeeper to walk hard and and changes his style of play as well. But not only the goalkeeper. Their outfield goal, uh, coach has to come in as well and work with the goalkeeping coach and the goalkeeper to change that. And and not just go in and say, do this, do that. Do, go in and show them what you want. Do you know that kind mm. of way? And like you see a week in, week out with going back to kids. I, I went and watched the game there a couple of months ago and the, the coach is shouting at the goalkeeper, you're not talking, you're not doing this, you're not doing that now. I'd never seen the goalkeeper and the goalkeeper is standing with his hands behind his back and looking with the puppy eyes like, and I, I approached him and I said, have you shown him how to do it? What do you mean? Have you, have you gone in and shown him how to talk to the back four? Have you shown him how to play in behind his defence? So it goes back to that then again, the, the knowledge of the outfield coach to, to a goalkeeper. Do you know that kind mm. of way? They should be in walking side by side again with the goalkeeping coach and what they want to achieve. My last, my last thing on this, yeah. right? Given that Reina's form fell off a cliff since... Mm. Rafa left right mm. and he, his confidence was destroyed and we're looking at a goalkeeper who's struggling with it, it, another thing mm. right if there's a constant thread emerging in terms of what's there in terms of the coaching is it sometimes a question to say well actually maybe better to change our goalkeeping coach first stick with the man that you have change your goalkeeping coach and see if you know get somebody in maybe from the Spanish style maybe from the German style to see okay can we change the way we're going to play here Mm. Can we? Is it better to get a different type of communication to the goalkeeper, or maybe a different style to bring him through as the type of goalkeeper that I want? That's, that's a bit. That's a, It's a big question to ask. Do you know that kind of way? Do you keep again? Do you keep a goalkeeping coach that has done the business? Like, and again, referring back to De Gea, he worked with Eric Steele, who not only changed his goalkeeping habits, he changed his physique, he changed everything about him. And you've seen the rewards that he got from it. Do Liverpool do that? That's the question that Rodgers has to ask himself. 
what kind of goalkeeping coach have I to get in? Because there's different styles. Germans will defend from the line, apart from Neuer, like, you know, that kind of way. Like, yeah. But the Spanish should be a totally different different concept of goalkeeping again. And same with the Irish and the English. We've all got different concepts. So it's what kind of, what suits your kind of uh, philosophy of football that you've got to go and get. And it's not only about changing, you've got to have the right players to play. And you, if you want to, if they want to play that, it's it's got to be a change of goalkeeper in my eyes to mm. play that kind of football that Liverpool want to play, and it's just bring Valdez in and Valdez comes in and serious things happen. Do you play the goalkeeping coach? And, and that's the ultimate question: is the goalkeeping coach is there to to bring on the goalkeepers? And one person can knock your confidence. Do you know, mm. and one person walking down the road can knock your confidence. Do you know yeah. that kind of way? And that confidence goalkeeping is on confidence and if you have a confident goalkeeper enjoying himself you'd be the best in the world if you have a goalkeeper gone inside him you may forget about it well you know? Darren nice to have someone who's not a complete spoofer in the bunker <laughs> uh, really really appreciate your thoughts thanks, <laughs> thanks that's a terrible brother. thing to call yourself <laughs> I'm aware of it I'm okay <laughs> right we wanted to have a quick chat about the idea of momentum uh, so after recording a much-needed three points against West Brom, Liverpool's rolled back to some consistent form was blocked by the police checkpoint that is international fortnight. Was this a good or a bad thing? Did the spectre of Hodgie and his national management buddies disrupt Liverpool's momentum or was it, contrarily, perfectly timed? And what is this momentum malarkey anyway? It's a term that's much loved by television pundits, but what does it actually mean and does it really exist? So joining us... On the line are two of Liverpool's finest football writers, Dan Kennett and Joe Pepper, to debate that very topic. Dan, I'll start you first, and maybe you could talk to us about your concept of momentum and whether or not it's a real issue. Wow. <laughs> like, like, like the idea of uh, being invited on just for a quick chat about momentum, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we knew you were free, so... <laughs> <laughs> a couple of minutes. Yeah, yeah, we, we can get this one done and dusted in two minutes. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Um, right. So, firstly, the thing is, is what what do we think it means? Is is where to start? Because I think it means different things to different people. Um, and then, once we can get an idea of all our different flavours of what we think momentum is, then we've got to think about the question: Okay, does it any of it matter? So, if you think about, I'm just going to start the ball rolling with what my definition is. Uh, I'm not going to go into the confidence side and the psychological side because I'm sure you guys will do that, but. The confidence thing is, uh, sorry, the, the uh, it's just like if you're if you've gathered momentum, are you more likely to win your next game, or are you more likely to score your next penalty kick, or are you most, more likely to score your next free throw shot based on the fact that you took you, you scored your last one? And, and I this 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 idea that you can build momentum um, through through doing something. Um, now the problem is is that. If you want to prove momentum exists, you have to show that um, the momentum has caused something to happen which wouldn't otherwise have happened only by chance. Mm. So let me give you a really, in layman's terms, I break it down, right? This is, this is the whole thing about causality or post hoc, ergo propter hoc, okay? So I'm going to give you a really simple example of Christmas. So, so two things happen at Christmas time. Well, many things happen at Christmas time. I'm going to give you two examples, right? Firstly... People send Christmas cards at Christmas. And secondly, people buy scarves and gloves at Christmas time. Now, one of those things is causal. The other is not. Right. People buy scarves and gloves because it's winter time. 
Now, they also happen to might buy scarves and gloves as Christmas presents, but, you know, that's by the by. Mm. But people only send Christmas cards when it's Christmas time. Yeah. You get the difference? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I, but I suppose, Dan, what I'm, what I'm wondering is, where are, you, where, like, where are you trying to drive this argument, Danny? Are you trying to say that basically... Um, the, no the, the idea there's no Santa Claus. Are you trying? This idea, this idea of causality, right? This idea of causality and one thing leading to another, right? Can you give us a football kind of uh, example in terms of you know where you can see that basically you know m- momentum isn't necessarily something that happens uh, every time. Yeah, because you could win six games in a row, right? Yeah. But that's not necessarily evidence of momentum. Yeah. That could have happened naturally anyway. Right. You know, like you could lose six in a row. Because good, good, good teams win, right? Yeah. Bad teams can also win. Teams with confidence can win. But teams with no confidence can also win. It's, you know, but when, when a team with no confidence wins, it's usually called winning ugly or something like that or the sign of a good team or some other cliche. You know? I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're I saying. Give a, I could give a couple of examples to where... It, pops up quite a lot with Liverpool and with, um, you know, our own experiences with football, for example. Um, How often do you guys remember Gerard Houllier saying, we've turned a corner? Mm, Yeah, he he liked his corners, Gerard. (laughs) He lived on a big roundabout, so he did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That that was that always struck me as, like, I always used to get really annoyed when Houllier said that, because I used to think, you know, it's like the 12th time you've said it in the last few years. Works because every time we turn a corner, we get stuck in stuck in another one again in the next game. Mm. And a, another another good example would be um, like Michael Owen or someone like that. He'd often be on a goal drought. Like he wouldn't have scored for five games. He just needs one goal, and then he'll get a whole host of goals. Or he just needs one to go in off his backside. How many times have you heard that? That's like a common example of it being used. Ricky. But the the reason why this all became like a kind of a a hot topic relating to Liverpool for like the likes of me and Dan was because where this would come up is Liverpool would be, you know, struggling in the league. They'd have uh, injuries mounting. They'd be, you know, trying to get a place in the top four, maybe under Rafa or, you know, uh, later on under Kenny. And the debate would often come up where Liverpool would have a League Cup game or an FA Cup game there would be an argument over whether or not Liverpool should rest players and basically risk losing the game because, you know, you don't care about winning the League Cup anywhere. And oftentimes, the argument in favour of picking the strongest possible team was that gives you momentum. It it basically means that you're going to win the game and in turn, just by the act of winning that game, is going to make you more likely to win the next one. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. To give a kind of contrary viewpoint then, um, Floody, What's what's your feeling? Uh, uh, like uh, maybe take it from your own playing days. The idea of of getting momentum, the idea of it being a real thing that players are aware of and feel going into a match. It, it, it definitely for me when I played in a dressing room, it, it, it is something that 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 can play on the mind of a player. And mm. um, when I've done coaching with kids as well, I've found the exact same thing as well. It becomes a habit. Winning becomes a habit, and it, it's it's kind of it all embraces certain elements of that you, you get the win which breeds the confidence then it's the coaching on top of that and, and, and then like the lads start to feel invincible basically mm. uh, and, and they start doing things right and habits become good habits and they say well we won that game because especially if you detail after the game you go through what you've done 
uh, and you look at it and say, well, we've done these things correctly. And then you point out what we've done incorrectly and then you t- take out the, the kind of the negatives. And then you say, if we do that next week, we can go again, win another game. Mm. And, and and that does happen, i found. But it also, on the flip side, when you lose a game, it, it can go the opposite way as well. The confidence starts to drain out of the side. They, they start to question, do, do silly things that they shouldn't have been doing. So I, I fully believe in momentum. Uh, we sat and Phil played in the side. Mm. We weren't the best side in the world. But we got into a, we got into a situation in, <coughs> in a very difficult league and I think we went 10 games in the spin. Yeah. Without, I don't think we conceded in one of them. No, we, we were favourites to be relegated that year and we ended up finishing third in the league for, mm. from it, right? And like that, what happened was, sort of going back to a bit what Joe's just said around, you know, and, and Dan saying that one game in isolation doesn't, you know, create momentum. But for me, momentum is something that's created off the back of changing the opposition's mindset about how they approach you. So if you go from being a team that's that's being looked at as being a poorer team to a team that's now looked at as, as being one that's hard, difficult to be primary, and most of this stems around home form. It's like away form is, is a strange thing, but if you can build it, build a back-to-back wins on things that's going on, teams then change their mindset as they come to play you. Mm. And that, for me, is where momentum is built from. And that's I think what, that's a really interesting note. Is that Phil? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting argument, actually, Phil. And I, I do think that's a very interesting way of, um, you know, I don't think that's a traditional way that, you know, there's, there's been so many studies in US sports, especially basketball, baseball, NFL, whatever, about momentum. But I, I don't know if anyone's actually taken it from that, um, you know, that, that perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, like you want to build up a, a bastion of invincibility, you know, the Shankleyism, yeah? And, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. so other teams are actually fearing almost coming to you, so they're inhibited in some way. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that, yeah. I think that, that that's definitely um, definitely more plausible. But can I just go back to what Damo said? Yeah. Right. About uh, you know everybody believes in momentum. That's the thing. Everyone believes it, right? But just because people believe it doesn't mean it's true. Now, no. The flip side of that is absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. Okay. So it's the two sides of the same coin, isn't it? Or you could put it. You could just talk about God if you wanted to. I, I guess. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> it depends on whether God has momentum or not. <laughs> He's won four on the bounce. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell anybody to stop, do, stop doing something that makes them feel good. Never. Yeah. Right? However, whether it makes any actual difference is, is a completely different thing. But mm. people should, if, 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 if doing something makes somebody feel good, they should do it. And that, but that's, more, that's like a placebo, isn't it? Yeah. Well, what about that idea then, Dan, of, of, of what Flully was saying about habits? And maybe, um, Joe, you can come in after Dan here on this, about, you know, it becomes something doing the doing things the right way, as you've just said, becomes a habit. Then you have the situation which you've talked about, which is that habit getting disrupted because uh, the, the the momentum is lost, or is it because you have a loss? So do you change the habits and so on and so forth? Like, is is that where your skepticism is arising from in relation to this whole concept? It's it's right. Um, so people who argued that momentum doesn't exist and they've actually said they've proven it in the studies that it doesn't exist but what they always say is that I've won the argument on hot hands or I've won the argument on momentum a hundred times but I've convinced no one by winning the argument so people still believe in it even though they've just been proved wrong so it doesn't really matter (laughs) almost at the end of the day what people believe is almost more important than what's true yeah 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 Um, Joe would you would would you would you concur with that there you know, Dan's almost there seems to be taking the position of it, it doesn't matter, you know, it, it, almost like it's harmless if you believe it and it doesn't really exist. But most of the actual proper research that's been done on this suggests that it is actually slightly harmful. 
And I, that's a bit counterintuitive, but uh, Trev, you were mentioning about um, how it, you know, it, you're kind of putting into practice the correct methods, which are proving to be successful. But that's almost just, that's not really momentum. That's just getting good at something. And when we talk about momentum, what we're really talking about is does an instance of having success make you more likely to have success in the future than you otherwise would have been, all other things being equal? Yeah. If you're going to do well in the future, could that cause you to actually do better than you otherwise would do if you didn't have that internal uh, better prediction? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Andy, would you would you kind of roll in behind this idea that maybe, basically momentum is something maybe that happens as a result of this confidence and that like it's just it's a byproduct it's not really a thing in itself you just you're you're confident you do well and that it's as simple as that yeah i think i think what makes this a debate is is people's interpretation of momentum Mm -hmm. so when somebody mentions the word momentum you're going to interpret it the way you see it Mm -hmm. now before this was <laughs> like you know it's it's a weird one to discuss. So I would have just thought it was purely confidence. Mm. So you know if your team are winning or a striker's not you know striker's banging in the goals, he's confident and the momentum like and momentum in its real meaning is you know it's a physical object moving forward. You know so mm. when we apply it to sport, it's just a metaphor kind of thing. Like yeah, it's not yeah, really yeah, a real yeah. thing. Yeah, you know by <coughs> right, the so definition yeah. of the word. So like. I mean, I would say momentum is the likes of McElroy there. He's he's not won a major. He's not won a tournament in a while. And all of a sudden, one bang, one clicks. Mm. And next thing, he's shooting the lights out every time he plays golf because mm. he believes in himself. Right, so. And then the media and the commentators say the momentum is with him. But it's actually not really. It's ju- it's just a figure of speech, I think. Mm. So when, when you when you break it down, yeah, it, it means nothing. But sure, how often do you say things in in football that mean nothing? Quite, I mean, quite a lot. Like, especially <laughs> especially in here, mate. Yeah, but you can look at uh, you, you know you look if if a team's if a team's not playing well, like you know if Liverpool are coming up against a team that's maybe lost the last four or five, people are going to start saying, "Let your performance." Yeah, you know. Yeah. So all of a sudden, there's an argument to say that just when you're playing shit. Which is, win. which is the exact opposite yeah. idea. Of, yeah. Or if a team's winning, I'm, I mean, we used to say it last year a lot, geez, I can't see Liverpool winning 12 games in a row. Or will we start three, four, five, six, <laughs> seven, eight? Yeah, yeah. And eventually, you, you know, yeah. it has to stop yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Um, and bang, <laughs> like, it supports the lads' arguments. Just because they won the last 11 doesn't mean they win their 12th. Jump in. Can I just come in there, Trev? Yeah, of course. Go. So, so the, that, that kind of hits the nail on the head. It used to be like what most people interpret it as. Um, the, the idea that, that confidence makes you perform better is what we, or at least certainly I am saying, is definitely false. And in fact, it, the, all of the data suggests that it makes you perform slightly worse. So usually when you have this discussion, um, and I think, you know, Damo was mentioning it with, you know, say, well, I do better when I'm confident. And, you know, use, use football as an example. People say, well, why do you do better when you're confident? Well, a good example would be if you're a striker, if you're confident, you're going to take a shot when you otherwise wouldn't have had the confidence to and you might have passed it. It's the reverse side, which is basically overconfidence and complacency. So a good example of that might be Balotelli, who definitely isn't lacking in confidence, but does he take, does the, as a result of him being confident, does he basically take more shots than he otherwise realistically should do? Should he pass it more often? 
And should he, is, he, is he suffering from overconfidence? Where this gets really interesting is uh, relating to Liverpool and uh, a guy on the, the Tompkins Times website called uh, Graham Riley, who basically uh, compiled a statistical database of all of the results in English league football history ever. Um, and when we have all the results that Liverpool have had following a game that they won versus all of the results Liverpool have had following a game that they lost. You would expect is in the games, the results in games that followed a win would be better results than uh, the results in those games that followed a loss. Yeah. Is when you compare the two results, the results on the right-hand side, on, on the pile of results that follow a defeat, are actually better than the ones that... It also completely obliterates the whole factor of the fact that the teams in the first set of results are better than the teams in the second set of results. <clears throat> what yeah. it actually suggests is a huge, huge underplayed factor of overconfidence and complacency. Oh, uh, Dan, on, on Joe's thoughts there, would you, would you, would you echo a lot of that stuff or would you, would you find yourself thrown in with a lot of what he's saying there? I, I, I do go along with a lot of what he says and it's just a terrible shame that he's got such a dodgy phone line. This satellite link to LA, you need, guys, you need to upgrade your infrastructure, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 satellite, we are all satellite. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, that's, that's um, next week. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, do, um, I, do, I do agree with a lot of what he says, of course. Um, but, uh, the, um, just what I wanted to pick up on what uh, I think it was Damo said about Rory McIlroy. Um, and um, I, I don't know how old you are, guys, but, you know, in the 70s, there was a really good golfer called Gary Player. Uh, and Gary Player, the same thing was said about him. Uh, and um, and he was often accused of being lucky and winning because he was lucky. And then, you know, the funny thing is the the, the more I practice, the luckier I get. Mm. So yeah. is it just the fact that Roy McIlroy is actually the best player in the world that he wins lots of majors? Yeah, fair enough, Andy. Do you, do you... What, can can yeah, I just, no, just, 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 just on, on, on the bit, and I suppose it's, uh, again, it's 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 very much although it's a, it's a concept that's used by everyone, as Dan says, and it's, it's accepted by everyone, right? I think even taking the the five of us, we all have a different view on what the component parts of momentum are. The only thing that's common amongst the whole lot is the concept <coughs> is that a team wins an awful lot of matches, and teams, you know, and, and they build something that other teams can't actually stop against. That the force of the wins that they build will be greater than the sum of the teams that they're going to play against. Now, for me anyway, as I said, the idea of momentum is that poor teams can achieve momentum in results similar to, say, Ferguson's last couple of United teams who are able to somehow put the results in the bag in in title run-ins where if you actually put them under a different manager, as we've seen with David Moyes, they couldn't put the same amount of results together. And it's again for me the key in this whole thing is how the opposition sees you as a team, as opposed to necessarily the, the you know the mental the mental side of it in your own head. Because if the teams approach you in a different way, your chances of winning, in my opinion, now I'm sure there's probably statistics to to say I'm wrong, but the the way that they will look at you will actually increase the probability of you actually winning matches. But I, yeah. I, I'm a qualitative person, so that's just... Can, can I just uh, ask one question there, Joe? The, that lad who compiled a lot of results uh, over the year, from the, that, that was purely yeah. taken into to Liverpool. What I would... Kind of, 
I'd love to find out is them all them teams that beat Liverpool and we're looking at the Liverpool's next result out there and saying well we won some we lose, lose some there wasn't any momentum there I'd like to actually see if any of them teams that beat us what their next game was like and after that and so forth where they build the momentum not just us like so if you had a, a West Ham team, yeah. say, that, that beat Liverpool, mm. we're looking at our next game, we go and we beat QPR, say, ah, oh, well, fuck it, that's not momentum. But did West Ham beating us create momentum for them? Mm. Momentum is just not a Liverpool thing. Like it's, that, that's it's, a good question, you know? and I honestly don't know. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know. Joe. Yeah, I think you yeah. did have that, Joe, because um, oh, his database okay. guys, is, is the, um, he's actually one of the guys behind LFChistory.net and the Liverpool Encyclopedia and all yeah. those good mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. yeah. So he's, he's actually part of the site there. And I, there was some discussion on the site, Joe, about um, he did, you know, he, he, he did it through all teams, not just Liverpool yeah. as well. So And, and the results broadly held. Is, but, it, 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 you know, my, my view of that as a statistician would be that, you know, if you take the sample of every result, played in English football ever you've got a very big like you know a very big sample and you take Liverpool as a representative sample of that and our results match true against the, the whole the, the wider picture but you know it, it just just come back to what um, uh, Phil was saying it, it, the, the crux of the matter is, is, is it, it means different things to different people and what you described there going back to Ferguson you know one of the things about momentum is it is it confidence or is it a confidence trick now mm. Ferguson did this thing where um, he got other teams almost um, giving up before they even came to play Man United at Old Trafford. Mm. Now that's a whole host of things. You could say it's intimidation, you know, was you know, <laughs> yeah. or bullying or whatever. Yeah. You know, pe- people like Mick McCarthy. He, he went. To, he, he was there with Wolves. He didn't even bother trying. He sent the he sent the B team, didn't he, one mm-hmm. time? That's, right. <laughs> that's yeah. more like a confidence trick rather than confidence, isn't it? Which is the which is the anti-momentum confidence trick, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, well, we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to invent a word for anti-momentum. Anti-momentum is brilliant. I love this. Negamentum. That's actually fantastic. <laughs> Monumental. The Americans, say it, the Americans call it no-mentum, don't they? No-mentum will do nicely. Mm. Well, with your, with your uh, statistician's hat on or, and notions of randomness in your head, how do you feel the game is going to go next time out for Liverpool? Oh, I, I, should add, I should add, uh, I'm a complete... Like, I, I'm not an expert on this at all. I'm just a knobhead on the internet. <laughs> Good lad. <laughs> join, the club, join the club. Join the club. So anyway, Joe, what do you think? We're playing QPR, right? There you go. Away. Eleven 0 Excellent. Hey. Excellent. This is this is this is uh, this is our kind of thing. Dan, t- your your thoughts on, on how you think it'll go in a nutshell? If we don't beat QPR, we're fucked. <laughs> right. Mm. <laughs> the momentum's going to be no good. momentum. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I think if we if we if if we. If, even at this stage, if we if we can't if we can't win games like QPR away um, this season, um, I think top four is going to be a big ask. Yeah, yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. fair enough. Okay, Dan, Joe, thanks a million lads for your thoughts. Appreciate right, it. Very we had much. a little mention of QPR there, so let's continue with that idea. Um, Daniel Sturridge back, and he is massive for us. Um, does he start? Do you reckon? Yeah, I've never been so relieved to see the man back. Mm. You know, it's what a lift it's going to give the team. I mean, straight away now is a goal trick going on there which hasn't been in quite a few games yeah. so good to have him back like you know um, it, it, you know it's going to be a difficult one because there's such an important game coming up a few days later but I believe he starts and it's the thing as well isn't it about not just him as a goal threat but his presence movement all the rest of it adds the goal threat from the others around him doesn't it as well yeah, everything. I mean, it just it gives the th- it gives the opposition something to think about. Like playing Liverpool has been quite easy for the opposition yeah. for the last few games. Uh, they haven't had an awful lot to worry about. All of a sudden, they see storage there, and they know he can produce magic out of anything. So again, yeah, it takes a little bit of a uh, focus off players that there might have been a bit of pressure on. You might see 
something now Balotelli yeah. just on the pure exactly. pure fact that not not everyone the guys aren't on him now mm. you know and you, you mean if Markovic was playing I know he's fit there again you never know like they might produce the goods just because their focus is off them is off them and, and maybe onto the other man uh, Floody is it a risk to start him straight away do you think like should, should he be introduced gradually or no I, I'd start him straight away yeah. I, be- I believe I always have said it if a player I believe, is I, <laughs> I can fly <laughs> <laughs> if a player is fit enough to be on the bench he should start yeah. like, he's every much at risk of getting injured coming off the bench he's mm. probably more at risk because he's warmed up he's, he's set down he's got cold again he, at least he's done a full warm up and he's straight into the game then, you know there's momentum of warming up <laughs> yeah. so, but, but he's gone into the game and he, he's had a proper warm up where is if he does that then he sits on the bench he gets cold again you're, you're not really at the same level the heart isn't pumping as quick mm. like, at that stage but you're into the game so I'd, I'd start him if he's, if he's available to play I get him on the pitch yeah. um, if, if he kind of blows up after 60 minutes and he can't breathe <laughs> 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 that's, that's, that'll be on television that's, that's when you take him off though, you know? like, yeah. I'd, I'd rather see that and us being on the front foot because he's the only striker we have that gives us that option of running behind exactly. like Balotelli doesn't do it Lampard God fucking knows Lampard. he'll never do it yeah that's what I said. Yeah, he doesn't know what he's He's not going to do. He just runs the opposite way. Yeah. Uh, but he's the only threat we have there, don't that? Um, mm. And because when you're playing against teams, they're going to play a rigid back forward. They're going to play five across the middle again. Yeah. So they know they tied with the three. Yeah. They won't do that this weekend. And they'll they'll, they'll sit deep. And but once we've that threat and movement, it, it's it's a lot easier to break teams down when we only have Balotelli up top. Uh, it may be Lambert we struggle because they don't stretch teams. Mm. They don't stretch teams where storage is the only player we have that can do that. Yeah. So for me, straight into the team. Uh, if we take it that he does start then, Phil. Um, wh- I don't think he does. But anyway, go on. Well, okay. Well, then maybe... And, and the only reason I think, I think the history of storage coming back from injuries, Rodgers has tend to start him on the bench and then brought him in. Mm. Um, thinking Stoke away last year when he came on and had the, had the real impact from the bench. He had Luis Suarez though. I, I know he had Luis Suarez, but I'm, I'm, just, I'm just thinking that they may... Contrary to what you think, that they'll 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 oh, rather I, I give him a half an hour. I think they'll live on the bench, but yeah. if it was me, I would start. I would start. I, 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 I don't disagree. If you look at it, uh, he was a late call. He was nearly going to be available for to be on the bench against Everton. Okay, yeah. and then he just went no, and he didn't play against Basel. He did another game then uh, West Brom, and he's probably looked at that and says, "This is perfect." You know, one game we leave him out, another for one more game, and then it's a full week, so it's a full two weeks two now weeks, to get yeah. him ready mm. to start. Yeah, yeah. Look, you know, I, I don't. I, if he's nearly available for the bench two now. weeks ago, he's bound to be available. I don't to think there's now. any one of us here that wouldn't start him if we were in. There's the added fuck Rogers you to Haji yeah. as well if he starts. Oh, added, I think I, I, I think he starts, and you know, <laughs> I, I think I he think. starts. <laughs> Basically, I think he starts. I, know. I, know. I think he should. Uh, I think he should start and I think he will start <laughs> well if he does then what does the what does the front line look like is it him and Balotelli with three bonds yeah I think, it, I think it will be uh, him and Balotelli <laughs> there's been too much uh, said with the whole Sterling being tired thing now that I, I doubt he plays I doubt he starts yeah. so you, you put uh, Lalana in behind in that 10 row because mm. he's been playing so well mm. and put Balotelli and Sturridge up front and give the give them a nightmare and you, Phil you, you don't agree you don't think he's going to start you think well, he's going to I, I, I don't disagree with the concept that Andy's put there like that, I, I, no. I totally back that like, if he starts that I'd be delighted right but what do you think is a realistic starting I, I think, uh, I think front we, line I, you know I, I, I can't see much changes from, from the last game with the exception of Lovren if he's injured mm. um, and then it's a case of does Torre come back in or 
is Sacco fit enough? Because then on the Tuesday they said ten days until Sacco was fit, which would put him right back. He'd be fit, say Friday or Saturday, going on, on the number of days until then, mm. and he'd be ready for the actual Sunday game itself. Now, then, but look, you're going to be looking at potentially coming back from injury, Chan Allen, um, Sacco, right, ready to come back, and then you've also got John Glenson, who I never want to see on the pitch, right. So anyway, mm. the the. If, if if you're going to go for one of the injured players, the player that's going to make the biggest difference to us as a goal threat is going to be Daniel Sturridge. So if you look at all the injured players that's coming back, I'd definitely be looking at having Sturridge and... Um, can't remember now. <laughs> Sturridge and Allen on the bench? Or Allen no, starting? Sturridge and Sacco, Sacco. starting the game. Right. Yeah, because I think, I think that, you know, of, that they will have the biggest impact in the actual right. match right but you're goals, saying you don't think he will conceded. no but I don't I think Sturridge I think Sturridge will be on the bench and I think he'll start with Balotelli and he may he may if if, if Allen is fit he may push Gerrard forward mm. and have Lallana coming from the left hand side and Sterling coming from the right hand side despite the whole fatigue and tiredness thing they have a full week now before the actual match there isn't a midweek game it's not a Wednesday game he has a full week's rest before the actual match itself mm. and then he'll look to change Sterling out and bring Sturridge on Say with fifty-five, sixty minutes gone at that point in terms of giving the, giving the rest that go on there, and you can rejig your midfield for in that instance because you'd probably take Allen out as well and drop Gerard back into the, into the midfield and then go move into a diamond as such because you've got Chan on the bench as well. So, Floody, if we, if we have a situation where Sacco doesn't make it, um, you then could be looking at Toure and Skirtle. Is that is that as terrifying to you as it is to me? Well, how fucking bad is it going to be? Like the, the two best centre halves we here have are injured. Yeah, you know, I still believe Sacco is one of our best centre halves. Mm. I don't rate Skirtle at all. Uh, I think he's really poor, and I think he's at fault for a lot of mistakes that we have at the back. Uh, Torres, I would rate Harden Skirtle, but they haven't got much up front. They, they really don't. Like, we should be taking this asunder. Mm. If we go out, if we go out and we go at this with a bit of pace, and we try cut them open, we we, we can do it. I think if we go and we we try to control the play, it'll just suit them down to the ground, mm. and they'll just be. Awkward and break us down and 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 just spoil the game really. Mm. And so I think go all out. But the two lads at the back, they sh- although I have issues with them, they should have more than enough mm. in the locker to cope with what QPR have to offer. They really, they, they should do. They're, they're around long enough. They played long enough, and uh, I kind of it's a bit of a nightmare. But well, it's, it's probably, the best. It's best. It's all we have. It's probably just as well that that uh, Phil is going to be doing something on a, of a live variety because there's a very real possibility of a back four. Which Can you features, imagine a wonderful back four yes, of John, John Glenson, Torre Skirtle, and uh, fuck, put Enrique back in. Fuck it, put Enrique put him back, back in. in. Oh, He's been wow. taking great picks over in Dubai. He'll be fit and ready for this that match. Could be just like I mean, you know, like at least three of those are very very likely. <laughs> Mm. I just thank God you've got a mic in front of you because you won't be able to say your usual shit. <laughs> like seriously, right? But the, the, I, I think I, I like. Um, I, I do believe that Rogers probably still favours John Glenn and Alvin Keo, and that's complete so. insanity. In my Let's mind, face it, he's going to play a, a decent enough part of the season. He's not completely finished yet. I think well, he, he is. I think in my his, book, his days are numbered, obviously, uh, and he <coughs> play less and less. But you could be looking at Johnson starting against Madrid. <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Damien Flood, Ga- ladies Garrett and gentlemen. Gareth Bale against Sir Trottle. Like, yeah, seriously, yeah, right? Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's just, oh, look, there's a man going past me. Ah, sure, he won't get across. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's great, oh, he's he's gone. He's great going forward, though. Anyway, look, <laughs> listen, let's, let's not think about the apocalypse at this point in time, right? Because with a bit of luck, if we have to change our centre backs, 
Rogers may think, well, look, if I have to, if I go and then change my fullbacks as well, That's I'm much, changing, yeah. I'm changing the whole back yeah. four when I don't really need to, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, maybe Lovren being out injured is a blessing in disguise because he won't drop back here. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's so comforting uh, logic to that. Yeah, in terms of what's going on, but like, look, at the end of it all, QPR are going to have their threats. They aren't a good side, right? Dan was right in what he says. If we can't beat QPR, then our ambitions for top four are in serious trouble, mm. right? So, you know, going a bit back to the last game, it doesn't matter how we win this match, it's that we win this match, mm. right? And whatever team goes out there, should the players we have are better than the QPR players. And if they apply themselves, th- there's, there's going to be a bit of rest for the England players because they had a longer break, which is good because Henderson, Lalana, Sterling all get that bit of extra rest that if, if they were playing a Tuesday game, they wouldn't have as such. And I think we'll come out flying full cylinders, full throttle. Let's go, get the result. And I think I think we get the result. You think we get the result? Bloody, we get the result. <coughs> I don't see why not. I, 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 I think we do. I've seen QPR. They, they are piss poor. They really are. No, <laughs> but uh, it, it's the back. To, the the lads they play across the back. They're, they're very fucking slow. <laughs> that's why I think we need to start storage there. We need to start with some pace up top because yeah. uh, anything that's not mobile up there that'll seal down to the ground. Yeah, Andy, wrap it up. How do you say it, Colin? Oh, yeah, I mean, I don't see anything other than Liverpool win. Mm. Um, <clears throat> it's just, <laughs> it'd be just our luck, though, wouldn't it, really, to for QPR to put in a performance? <laughs> 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 but, uh, uh, like, I think I think Sturridge comes in and, and uh, we finally see Liverpool play football this season. Maybe from the start, which would be nice, which yeah, goes back to a bloody yeah. saying there. Yeah, no, I'll give, a good, I'll give the team a good lift. I mean, I think, I think that international break came in a good time as well, mm. after a win. And uh, a couple of, we- a couple of weeks uh, <laughs> to prepare for potential banana skin, <laughs> hey. potential uh, a potential slip up. You know, so he's no excuses now. He'll have in his mind very clear what he wants to do over the two games coming up for a quick succession. Mm. And uh, yeah, take all three points. Take all three points. Well, that'll do nicely. So we should probably talk about some of the other issues then. What do you think? We're not doing predictions. Ooh. Well, that's See, kind we of could prediction. ruin the momentum with, with no predictions. Well, if, if you <laughs> want to do a proper preview, let's do predictions. Floody prediction. 3 0. 3 0. Andy prediction. 3 1. Trev prediction. 3 0. Phil prediction. The hill, Trev. 4 0. QBR. 4 0. QPR. Lovely. I am Lou Schwari. You are listening to Trippers Chat. <laughs> with Trev. <laughs> Right, let's have a little chat about um, one of the major talking points the last couple of days, which was our friend Roy Hodgson and his quotes about Raheem Sterling and the idea of tiredness and the ensuing madness that has happened on uh, social media and in the papers. It's not just the social media, it's the media oh, in general. No, it's in the broad, on the broadsheets today as well. And Roy, and is, a broad, broad, Roy is a broadsheet manager, so <laughs> um, we should talk about... We should broadsheet talk about wanker. The broadsheet wanker. <laughs> Um, in media response, lads, does anyone have anything? I want, I want to come back and I want to talk about what he actually said in a few minutes because that's amazing stuff. Uh, for me, anyway, the, the 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 big thing that got to me was last week he was saying that he, that Raheem Sterling, Liverpool needed to rest Raheem Sterling that they'll tire him out and they'll burn him out before he's he you know before he reaches his peak, etc. Right. Mm-hmm. And in the space of the week, he's then coming out and saying, "Well, Raheem came to me and he said he was tired and I couldn't put him in because I said, like, do you know what I mean? The fella fucking just makes it up as he goes along, basically. Purely makes it up as and. He goes he was setting up an excuse. If they didn't beat Estonia last night, he had an excuse that one of his best players wasn't able to play because he came to him and said he was tired. Okay, right? well, aside... Because uh, Roy Hodgson deflects blame 
Opinion. Aside That's from the, the Little Englander, uh, rabid patriot, inverted commas, types who are saying that, you know, that's a disgrace. Did anyone else believe that he wasn't just deflecting blame or setting himself up in case, like Phil says, something goes wrong? Like, does, uh, is, is, have people not read him now? Like, he, like, like does this sound like a realistic uh, little transaction that happened on we were doing a light training session. Rahim had done the warm-up and he said, I'm feeling a bit tired. I'm not in my best form at the moment because I'm feeling a bit tired. So I said, best thing is, Adam Milana starts the game and you rest and I bring you on from the bench. Simple as that. Does that sound like something that actually happened? I mean, it, it, even if it has happened, that should never, ever, ever make it into media. It seconds. never should Manager be made should clear. Yeah. never yeah. fucking speak to that. Though. Anyone, that should be kept within... He's just throwing them under the bus. Absolute gobshite. Yeah, you know, like an international manager to come out and make a comment on a player like that, like mm. managers should know like, at any level, you don't go out and start speaking about what a player has said to you anywhere. You don't hang your players. Absolutely ridiculous. Mm. Like I, I cannot fathom it. But as Phil said, and I think everyone's seen it, he basically set himself up there to say, okay, we don't win this game. Well, fucking Raheem, stitch me up here, lads. Like yeah. it wasn't my fault. Yeah, I would have played a different way if Raheem had. A, so he's a complete fucking tord. Well, I think it, the the games have began now between Hodgson and Liverpool. Mm. Now, like after the storage thing, Rogers put the boot in, made it public that storage, you know, has said that he doesn't want to, you know, he uh, doesn't want to train. He's made train anyway, then gets injured. So Hodgson's now thinking, all right, well, if you want to make it public, what I've been, what what's been happening in the England camp, well, I'm going to make it public as well. So I think he's playing a, f- a bit, of, you know, a few games. He's a shit manager, and he's going to try try his hand at something else here. And I think he's playing a dangerous game because Rogers now is going to put dig his heels in Lallana, Henderson, any sign that these players aren't fit to go to England. Whereas he might have taken a chance before. He's going to say no, fuck yourself. So you, you, you're gone, Hodgson. So he's pretty much set himself up badly here, hasn't he? Like, I mean, it, it can't. I think go he's well just. I him, think yeah. he's just taken. I think he's taken Liverpool on. He's taken Rogers on. You know, he's he's a stubborn old pissy jock fucking granddad. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> he, he he wants to, he wants to take he wants to you know look like Billy Big Bollocks because he's yeah. he's head of the FA. He's the he's the main man in the country. Managing the England team, he's mm. he's just and that's that's what he that's how he that's how he wants to see see himself as he, being in charge. Yeah. He's yeah. just a horrible little shit saying. Like well, basically, he's, he's he's everything that would that annoys you about football. You know everything of of, of uh, he's the anti Rogers. Mm. You know what I mean? He he's he's Mister Corporation. He's Mister Yes Man. He's Mister mm. Yes to the media. He's he'll say whatever. He'll do whatever they tell him, and he'll say whatever they tell him. He has no he's, he's no personality. Mm. Oh, he's, he's Ironically, it's not bad timing. This told. isn't it? It's not bad timing because people have been on Brendan's back quite considerably lately for uh, dubious reasons. And then you have a fella like Hudson who turns around and says something like, oh, "Hang on, I just want to find this." Yeah, he's talking about the the. Well, don't forget, it was two days after quite a difficult game against San Marino. It was fatigue that he hadn't managed to shake off after that San Marino game. I mean, in the name of Jesus, who is going to turn around and say San Marino is a difficult? I don't game? know. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. But yeah. I mean, it's it's all down. You know, he he's a prized asset, Raheem Sterling, for England and for for Liverpool. Mm. And there's a bit of tug of war going on here. Rogers criticizes England for overuse, and then he drops him against Villa, and we pay the consequences. Then you know you think, oh, Rogers is looking after Sterling, and then he plays him for 120 minutes against Middlesbrough, and then again in the derby. Mm. So. 
you know, what's going on? Like, Yeah, but doesn't it show you the level of people's uh, stupidity that there's actually a debate about this today and people are coming out and saying things like, you know, it's a disgrace and, you know, footballers with their wages, etc., etc., you yeah. know, I mean, like, this debate should not like, be happening. Wages, money doesn't <laughs> stop, you, stop you getting tired. Right? Stop you know what I mean? But, he, but, but Sterling's played 400,000 games this season. And yeah, when, has, yeah. When, <laughs> when you, Don't when forget you he has six kids as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, six yeah. imaginary kids yeah. to look after yeah, as well yeah. when he gets home. But no, you, you think about it, right? We we mentioned a couple of weeks back and, and, and he was rested, you know, for the Aston Villa game. And then after the Aston Villa game, we can't afford to rest him at the moment because we've got too many players out and we're missing storage and you can't afford to leave Sterling out. Simple fact is, at the end of it all, that Liverpool Football Club is more important to Raheem Sterling in, in, in real terms because that's where he's playing week in, week out. They know what's best for his development. They have better sports scientists, etc., etc., behind them, as was proven the last time that Daniel Sturridge went away and England just completely ignored what everyone was telling them because of the way Liverpool were managing his injuries to get him through so he stopped picking up recurrent injuries, right? Mm. And that was just laughed and joked off. And don't forget that this is the same England setup where Hodgson wanted Sturridge to prove himself when he got injured that time. To play through the fucking injury. To and, test his resolve. And, and, and test his resolve. And, and in that game, didn't he come back? Didn't he protect Rooney and take him off after 65 yeah. minutes because he was carrying a little bit of a knock? Yeah. And made Sturridge finish the fucking whole 90 yeah. that threw an injury. So this, this, this fella's a horrible <coughs> prick, right? Yeah. He, 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 he darkened our doorstep for too long, those six horrible months that he was there for, right? And, you know, he's, that hasn't changed. He's taken his shit medics to many clubs and he's managed to do fuck all with them and he's taken them on to England and he's done fuck all with them and he's managed to charlatanize himself into a fucking job and somehow he's had a horrific World Cup and he's come out and he's still the manager mm. if that was any other England manager and I mean any other England manager they would have walked the plank in the Caribbean after the World Cup because they yeah. wouldn't have got back into England Imagine McLaren or someone Bobby Robson shot. In, the, the, <clears throat> in Euro 88 was nearly run out of town because they didn't they didn't do well in that European Championships. Mm. And that was in a group that had an Ireland team that was coming through, that had Russia, who, that was at the high, height of its power, was the USSR, yeah. and also Holland. And Holland went on to win it in the end, right? And he went on, Robson went on, now I suppose the lesson here is Robson went on, and uh, they got to the semi-finals in 1990. But Robson was one of the best managers in the world at the time, mm. and had a tactical brilliance about him. Whereas this fella is a fucking gimp. Mm. Well, quite simply... But he, he suits them down to the ground, like everything from his comments about Rioni and the Scouse accent, and he's a hang The FA, you mean, suits them? Yeah, yeah oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, and he, you know, um, the sort of discrimination that you've seen over the years towards Liverpool, like, and Liverpool play, young Liverpool players not getting involved in the England academy, mm. like you look at Fowler and, and, and the likes over the years. So there's, there's this thing that, you know, discriminating against the Nor- Northerners, like, and the Scousers to them are just scum. And I think he, he that's his that's his opinion also. And so behind the scenes, they suit each other up down to the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't he doesn't like what's happening. He doesn't like Liverpool at all. When he came up, wasn't he? Didn't he have an argument over getting into the players' lounge? Stick or, him in the jacks the next time in the fucking yeah. <laughs> underneath the main stand. They wouldn't let me in. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't let me in. They don't go and sit in, a, in, in some room in, in a cupboard. Go sit in a cupboard. When Strangely enough, <laughs> the same when, bad, he said when he was there. <laughs> there's bad blood. He's typical of them. You know, that's that's why they suit each other. And he's a spoiful little bollocks. Hmm. Like you've seen the way he reacts to Norwegian media and stuff like that, the the Danish media, everything like that. He's spiteful and he carries around the fucking a massive chip on his shoulder. Being an owl that he is, he just he fucking just carries those chips everywhere. Owls are particularly noted very, for very spite. noted for their spiteulness. They yeah. They yeah. track those mice full, field mice for miles just to get the bastards. Hmm. Should we talk? Well, you look at him. I mean, he knows the cameras on him all the time. He's trying to he's trying to act cool. 
You know, <laughs> and it couldn't come out more. The complete opposite of what he's trying to do. The faces he pulls, like I think in his head he thinks he looks like Marlene. <laughs> you know, yeah. I look cool right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you fucking don't. <laughs> the face melting off. <laughs> right. Okay, chaps. I want to talk to you about. Um, Mr. Enrique's naked Dubai <laughs> adventures. Um, what do we make of that? How wonderful is this man? Bloody earlier on, you called him a hero. Would you stand by that? That is an absolute balloon. Like, you get arrested over there for kissing your girlfriend in public. Like, I know. Surprising. You must have left the country before he tweeted the fucking picture. <laughs> yeah, just in case the fucking the five oh knocked on the door. And said, <laughs> no, yeah. Listen, your flute's all over the internet. That's the point. That's the thing. That's the thing. He positioned the marina just in front of his. So with the marina, his, his, his marina looks like a flute. Great stuff, Jose. And he did, there's no way he didn't practice at least 18 times that. That's not a random shot. Like, he's, 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 he's gotten himself into the crowd position there hasn't he definitely no I don't think he thinks do you know huh? I, I don't think just uh, a lucky shot Jose, wasn't it? Uh, Enrique him and um, engages the brain at all yeah like, like nothing he does on Twitter makes any fucking sense <laughs> <laughs> like, he, there's no forethought into anything yeah. you know yeah. and uh, I don't mind them now like I give out shit about players uh, not being professional on Twitter but in, in fairness he doesn't get engaged with the fans he doesn't get stuck in and he doesn't start giving sl- uh slagging back or anything like he just shows he's pictures just of him and a monkey and he's, he's fucking yeah. happy he's just a happy go lucky yeah. good time guy what's the crack yeah you know? but like you can't if, like, come here, if, if he turns up at training someday and he has a chimpanzee and a, a, hanging out of him right as his pet chip nobody would nobody even nobody bat cares it. nobody would like nobody would think it's to themselves Jose, isn't that's it? weird yeah. where's he <laughs> a monkey from yeah. so, not sure, is that the same monkey that was in your car he's fucking on <laughs> <a> hinge yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's so, the lad from the picture that's, that's the fellow from the picture what's his name yeah I know I call him Fernando yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, you just, you, you know. I think he's like he's the best thing. Like you know, all the social media and you get them all. They're all robots when they go on, but he's just brilliant. Like the stuff yeah. he does, it's harmless. It's a bit like the, the like the rap that Balotelli has. Most of the stuff he does is completely harmless as well. Like, it's, it's it's just mental. It's like seriously. I com- I'm I'm with you. I think he practiced that shot. I can't wait There's until that, until though. they raid um, iCloud again and get all the photographs right because yeah. we get to see all the practice shots. It was yeah. <laughs> how many practice shots to get definitely where there's no boat yeah. in the way. It's, it's definitely a practice shot because if you, if you take a picture at a window at an angle. You won't get a reflection like that. You know, he's, he's had to go down at the level to get the fucking There have been drafts. There yeah, have been drafts. Been. Uh, that's, that's what makes it really even better. Uh, <laughs> right, a couple of questions in from our, our listeners. And the first one here is from Amrit. And he wonders, lads, what's the stupidest thing you've ever bought? Stupidest thing you've ever bought? I bought, I bought an electronic pipe. <laughs> well, that was yeah, smoking yeah, it now. Huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's me electronic cigarette. Which you brought? In, which you, she actually brought in here to show us. Yeah, a yeah. fake wooden electric pipe. And actually, actually, you only broke it fucking out when I was in the middle of a serious intro, and I looked around and you were there with that fucking Sherlock Holmes thing. Yeah, I was going through a Sherlock Holmes phase. Yeah. I, I was trying to buy one of those Hunter hats as well. So, <laughs> how do you justify buying a, an electronic pipe? I just thought to myself, bit of class about that. Yeah, <laughs> I look good now if I'm in the pub and I have the pipe instead oh, of the electronic. You wouldn't cigarette. do that, would you? <laughs> you did, didn't you? Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Bloody the stupidest thing you ever bought. 
trying to rack my brains the worst I probably a good few years ago I said I'd buy a pair of training boots mm. cheaper pair of training boots and I bought mm. a pair, pair of Kelme because I thought they were killed from Spain right wore them for two training sessions and my arches collapsed on both my feet <laughs> <laughs> that's not one of the lines that's how fucking bad you were that's uh, yeah, an, an anti-ad yeah, yeah it was horrific yeah yeah, yeah. no sponsorship I, I, from that no. lot for us now no, no. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Andy any suggestions for the stupidest thing ever bought I used to buy a, a sports item from pretty much every sport like at one stage I had a baseball bat a fucking te- <laughs> tennis rackets fucking everything I used to boot my car to be like <laughs> football boots my golf clubs in a snooker queue I was it an OCD table thing table tennis what was it an OCD thing like did no, you, just were like, you ever thinking of using them it was just I'd be watching telly and next thing I'd see uh, two fellas playing uh, table tennis or something and I go oh, fuck I'm getting them <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I could beat them I'm taking up table tennis now or like I've, and mad things like squash rackets and all I've yeah. never played squash even like, yeah. and I had a squash racket <laughs> Basically, if you go into Aldi or Lidl, there's a yeah, good chance you're going to come out with problem. some of the stupidest yeah. things ever. With a chainsaw. A chainsaw yeah, and, and a wetsuit. And, <laughs> and a pair of cycling gloves. What after? I'm doing a bit of underwater chainsaw. Yeah, you know yourself. <laughs> you know yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Paul Murray uh, is wondering, uh, this is an interesting one for us. Actually, I don't know I'm asking you boys from City Boys that you are. He wonders how the routine of milking cows was discovered. In other words, how did people discover that that stuff that comes out of that thing you could actually digest it. And it was lovely. Any ideas? <laughs> <laughs> and there's a few videos. <laughs> I said he got a surprise and he tried the ball. <laughs> it's taking a bit yeah, long. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, quite, not quite as tasty in hot chocolate, but... You know. It's very warm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, moving swiftly. Oh no, though. milk is warm that comes out of cows. Oh Jesus! It's not, it's not salty though. No, it's not salty. <laughs> For fuck's sake, uh, Barry Carr. We finish with Barry's question. Barry wants to know what's your favourite animal noise to reproduce. So, at your leisure, gents. Your favourite animal Monday noise. Off. Bloody what are you gonna do? I'm not gonna fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, you got one. Any requests? <laughs> Jesus. You've got a, a variety, have you? D- just do a lima. Gonna give it a, li- <laughs> a lima. <laughs> uh, I'll give a cow a bash. Go, go for a cow. Yeah, go for a cow. <laughs> <laughs> You're regretting this already. You <laughs> How do you do it? In one, fucking brilliant, funny star. Do it again, do it again. In two, and bully special, brass. Oh my! Phil, can you follow that? Excuse you, Phil. I'm right. And we finish as we always do with some admin. Irish listeners who like playing football should come and do so here at Astro Park. You can book your pitch time at astropark.ie. On our website, lfcdaytrippers.com, we've lots of stuff there that will interest you. Fantastic articles from some very fine writers indeed. The day trip we spoke to you about over the last couple of weeks is on November the 1st. Um, LFC fans from all over the country will be heading to Waterford for an overnighter in the Dooley Hotel. We're going to be there. We're going to be recording something. So if you want to get involved, get on to YNWA Irish Reds. Um, as we said at the top of the show, you should get into the Stone Bolt on Sunday early for a bit of crack. 
and a bit of a laugh. We might even record something that's not too libelous and no fights break out, so we probably won't record anything. Your day trippers tonight were Darren Kelly, Joe Pepper, Dan Kenneth, and the young Dame of Floyd, Phil Casey, and myself, Trev Downey. One hundred fifty years of breakthroughs, milestones, and triumphs. One hundred fifty years of Children's National Hospital. One hundred fifty years of generous community support. You can give kids a future where they get freckles instead of chemotherapy and paper cuts instead of surgery. Children's National Hospital. One hundred fifty years stronger with your help. Please give today. Visit childrensnational.org/slash one hundred fifty years. That's childrensnational.org/slash one hundred fifty years. Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Sports Social Podcast Network.